1: Welcome aboard Giants fans to episode 63 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. We're doing this podcast on a Tuesday morning after Labor Day, which means it is week one of the NFL season. The Giants will be in Dallas on Sunday afternoon at 425, so we have a lot to talk about as we kind of recap the summer, the final cuts, the roster, and look forward to week one and really what this 2016, 2016 Giants team can be this year. Uh, James, we'll start with you. I, I guess we'll start with kind of an overall feeling on the Giants as we head into this season. I mean, the one thing that stood out to me is they're, they're healthy heading into this first week, which th- that has been something we've rarely said on this podcast.
0: Yeah, we, uh, this, we're taking this on a Tuesday, so we, they had their first regular season practice on Monday. And, uh, you know, what Dan and I and most of the beat writers do is, you know, you you get the roster every day and you go out and you, you cross off each number as you see it on the field. You know, take take attendance. All 53 members of the Giants active roster were on the field practicing on Monday. That is something that I don't think happened at any point last year, including, you know, when they had a 90 man roster on the first day of training camp.
1: I can't remember it. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, for the Giants, they've been so banged up over the years that just even though it's only one week, even though it's it doesn't mean they're going to stay healthy all year, I mean, that has to give them a lot of confidence. Don't you think, Dan, heading into a season that, all right, we're whole now. At least we're going to be, you know, we have a chance to be what we think we can because we have everyone we planned on having.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, especially with the emphasis that was put on that. You know, McAdoo talked about, uh, you know, changing things around, obviously made some change, big changes with the strength program, and, uh, you know, there needed to be changes when you just look at the recent history. But, yeah, I mean, you look at that, 53 guys coming into the season and everybody healthy, I mean, I don't think too many teams in the league can claim that. And I think when you really look back at the preseason, that's the most important development, as much as there was so much hand-wringing about, how, you know, how bad the offense was. At the end of the day, I mean, the fact that they're coming into the season healthy and whole is, uh, is the biggest accomplishment of the preseason.
1: I think so, and now they go into this week, and you know the expectations are there. I mean, they, they maybe aren't sky high. Maybe there's been some um, that have come back to earth because of the offensive line concerns. But James, what's your feeling on the feeling around the Giants? And what I mean by that is, what do you think the Giants kind of expect out of themselves this year? I mean, they they usually talk like they could go and win, and we heard uh, before the summer really started that you know they thought they can get back to the playoffs and go win a championship. But you know they've had A few now, to put it lightly, you know, poor years in a row. Do you think there's that confidence there, even with some of the issues they had this summer, that they're going to be a good football team this year?
0: Definitely. I think the Giants internally think that they're going to be a playoff team this year. They're going to win the NFC East. I think for the most part, a lot of fans seem to feel the same way. You know, obviously with the the quarterback situation in Dallas, with the quarterback situation in Philadelphia. And I just think for whatever reason, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, People just have decided the Redskins are, were a, you know, a, a mirage last season, and they don't take them very seriously. So I think the Giants think they're going to win the division. I, I think most of their fans think they're going to win the division. I'm not too sure about that, but I think there's definitely a lot of optimism running around the team right now. They, they feel that, yes, the offensive line looked really poor in the preseason, but they think they're going to be able to fix that come the regular season. So they're feeling good right now in East
1: Rutherford. I think they are too. That, that seems to be the the feeling that the Giants could be a pretty good football team this year. And, and obviously when you look at the division, Dan, I mean, that, that plays a partner, right? Cause the NFCs doesn't seem to have, you know, that 10, 12, you know, 11, 12 win team at definite least, you know, we don't know yet. The Redskins were pretty good last year. As James said, everyone seems to think they'll come back down to earth. The Eagles just traded their starting quarterback away a week before the season and the Cowboys don't have theirs. So how much do you think the division and the kind of the, the strange nature of the NFC's plays into the expectations for the Giants.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it could line up any better. I don't think anybody expected Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz to be starting for the you know, Eagles and Cowboys week one. So I think that uh, when you look at that, there's only you know, the expectations should only go up. Uh, obviously, again, Washington is going to be Washington. They didn't uh, change drastically, and you know, they're still the division, uh, division champs. But yeah, I think if you're a Giants fan, there's plenty of reason for optimism there. And again, I think so much of the pessimism that, that seeped in through the preseason, you, you have to keep in mind how little Odell Beckham played, how little Eli Manning played. I mean, those guys are going to make a difference. I think I think we all know that and accept that. So sure, there's there's concerns with of the offensive line, uh, but there's plenty of positive signs on the defense that certainly wasn't there last year. So I, I think that you know that that preseason handring kind of goes out the window, and, and you start looking at things and. And this team uh, lines up pretty well in the NFC East, in my opinion.
1: James, when we look at the before we go on and look at the season and kind of talk about this first game against the Cowboys, when you look at the roster, now that everything is set, I mean, at least set for now. I mean, these things could change every day with the, the last couple guys on the team. But as you look at the roster, the way the Giants set it with the final 53 and, and kind of made some moves on the waiver wire this weekend, how would you compare the roster, the way it looks now, to the way you thought it looked you know, the first day you got to camp in terms of, You know, players that maybe were a little better than you thought, players that went a little backwards, and obviously some guys they cut or added. How do you think this roster has changed the last month or so?
0: For the most part, I I think it's pretty much stayed the same. Uh, I think Eli Apple's going to be a a lot more NFL-ready this year than than we thought he would be. I think that the offensive line – I didn't – look, I I never thought the offensive line would be like a a major strength, but I didn't think that they would look as poorly as they did during – the preseason Now, granted, I don't think they ever really had the full first team offensive line, first team offense together on the field. Um, linebackers, I, I, you know, I'm still kind of cautious about that situation. I, I think defensive line has looked really good, which I think people expected. Receivers have looked good. I think the receiving core might be a little bit better than we thought it would be, because I think obviously Cruz has gotten back on the field, which was a major question mark. Um, Savaris King and Roger Lewis had good camps. Granted, that's just the preseason. They have to prove it in the regular season. But for the most part, I think this roster is pretty much what we thought it would be. There's a couple places where they're a little bit stronger than I expected, and there's a couple places where they're a little bit weaker. But on the whole, it's pretty much what I expected.
1: So as we look forward to this season, Dan, we look forward, let's talk about Sunday specifically, and then we'll kind of get into the season as a whole. But against the Cowboys, I mean, look, we didn't expect to be Dak Prescott, but this is a, a... Game the Giants have seen, and a game their fans have seen often in the past, I say handful of years. A Giants opening in Dallas against the Cowboys. Um, this is a big game, obviously, but to me, it's an even bigger one because I mean they've had a lot of difficulty winning the first game. And I don't think they've won it. I I can't remember the last time. It's got to be three, four, five years. One of you might might know the last time the Giants won an opener, but they always seem to get off on the wrong foot and have to try to recover. How about this game on Sunday and just the kind of the importance? I mean, I know it's only week one, but I don't know. To me, it feels a little bit more important than just week one.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, just with some of the circumstances coming in, I mean, players can say, oh, last year's last year, but there's no way that they're not going to go into that stadium and, and at least have a little bit of a flashback to how last season ended. So uh, I know that those guys want to, you know, erase that, get off to a much better start because if you think about last year, I mean, uh, that was obviously not the right foot to get started off. and. It was sort of a sign of things to come. So I think that obviously one game is one game. But, you know, it's the first one, and, and they want to you know, change some of the narrative again, like the, some of the panic has, that has set in. If you go out in Dallas and, you, you know, you put up 40 points and you know, the defense looks great, then all those concerns are kind of put to bed. They are, and I think that's what fans, you know, are hoping for. Anna. The Giants get off on the
1: right foot. Uh, James, you wrote a piece on NJ.com a couple weeks ago now about how you know, know, is this kind of a must-win game? And the Cowboys are without their starting quarterback. We just talked about how last year was a disaster in Week 1, and the Giants got off to, you know, a difficult start on the wrong foot with, you know, basically the game set the tone for the entire season with clock management and just finding ways to lose. It's weird to say must-win in Week 1, and and it's probably not the right term, but this feels like more important than your average Week 1 game. Definitely.
0: You're right. The Giants have not won a season opener since 2010. Wow. In that span they are 0 4 on the road and 0-4 against NFC East opponents. They're 0-3 against the Cowboys and 0 2 in Dallas. So they it's been a long while since they started their season on a, a positive step forward. Uh you know, they I I think that's five in a row, if my math's right. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, five. Um so yeah, look, it's I think I don't know if must win is the right word, but It's a very big opportunity for the Giants to beat a Cowboys team that's without Tony Romo. Starting a rookie quarterback, I think not enough people are paying attention to the fact that their defense is going to be very shorthanded with all the suspensions they have. They're not going to have much of a pass rush, which I think is a big benefit for an offensive line that's kind of getting its footing under it still. And look, you can start the Ben McAdoo era on the right foot. You can have a big win, you know, kind of – work out some of the demons of a year ago and start one and out. So maybe must wins, not the right term, but it's a opportunity. I don't think the giants are going to be happy if they let it go.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine they would be. And I know the game's on the road. It's never easy to play there, but but Eli's always played well in Dallas in his career. So you have that. And um, as you look forward to the game, Dan, I mean, my take is I think the giants will score points. James was just talking about the defense and the lack of pass rushers for Dallas, you know, even with the giants, offensive line concerns, I'm, I think they're going to score on Sunday. The other side of the ball is interesting. Obviously, the, the rebuilt Giants defense will finally get to see it in a real game. Uh, you don't. I think it might be a little bit harder to prepare because it's Prescott and you don't really know what he is outside of you know some preseason tape. And then Ezekiel Elliott obviously looks like the real deal. How about that side of it? I mean, how do you think the Giants defense matches up against what we see of the Cowboys uh, and Elliott being you know a big part of it now?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Elliott uh, comes with a lot of hype and, and deservedly so. I mean, I saw him uh, the last couple of years at Ohio State, and and he's pretty impressive. Uh, but I think the big question mark uh, when these teams match up is definitely going to be Witten. I think Giants fans are waiting for the day when he go, you know, is over the hill and, and doesn't kill them. But that day hasn't arrived yet. And I think just uh, with some of the changes they've made at linebacker and safety, uh, we'll see if they have an answer for him finally. Because, I mean, obviously, uh, he's had his way with this team in the past. Uh, and then... You know, even though Tony Romo's not there, Des Bryant's still going to be uh, you know, forced to be reckoned with. And again, you got some, some new corners, so they'll get a good test right out of the gates. And like you said, Dak Prescott, who knows? I mean, he looked great in the preseason. Uh, obviously, he was a successful player in college, but I think it's a little different when the lights come on and uh, you're going to see a little more uh, complex coverages than what he was seeing in the preseason. So I think any time uh, you get a chance to go against a rookie quarterback uh, in his first start, you, you like your chances in, in that matchup.
1: You do, right? And that probably adds even more into it why the Giants, I don't know if the word is should, but probably feel like they should, go in the game. James, for you, this matchup on Sunday, I mean, what are you looking for? Dan mentioned Jason Witten, who's always, always killed the Giants. I mean, I guess he kills everyone because he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. But specifically, when you look at Giants-Cowboys this week, a lot of new faces with Elliott, with um, the Giants' defense being rebuilt, and, of course, Dak Prescott. What, what's standing out to you as we sit here on a Tuesday morning? I, for me, it's it's the pass rush. It's, it's the Giants. You know, that was the
0: major reason. I mean, remember last year, Tony Romo completed eighty percent of his passes in Week Week One, and he was basically untouched in the pocket the whole night. So that for me is you know even you know yes Romo's not playing. Dak Prescott is, but I want to see that Giants pass rush. Can they generate the heat on the quarterback that they did for the most part in the preseason? You know, what does Olivier Vernon do? How does Jason Pierre-Paul look now with his hand now that, you know, it's for real, it's, you know, it's, it's go time. You know, what do we see from Oa Odigizua? Do they get any pass rush from the linebackers? Do they, you know, does Janoris Jenkins hold up? You know, he was, he struggled early in camp. He was okay in the preseason games. Does that continue? Can they force turnovers, make big plays? So that, that's for me, this whole game is about the defense. I think the Giants offense is going to be okay. Offensive line concerns aside, but for me, it's what does this defense do in its first, you know, real game effort after last year's debacle?
1: Yeah, and they had a lot of those debacles here, and you know, this is the first one at the Cowboys Sunday. Will kind of set the tone for this entire season. But I don't think we've, at least on the episodes we've done this summer, I don't think we've looked at the Giants' schedule together and really kind of, maybe not broke it down game by game. I know you guys have been putting up pieces on NJ.com with win-loss projections based on game by game, but just as a whole. What do each of you think about the schedule? I mean, as I look at it here, and I think there's an opportunity for the Giants to get off on a good foot here. um, At the Cowboys, we're talking about why it it might be a favorable matchup, all things considered. And then back-to-back home games against the Saints and the Redskins. I mean, there obviously will be peaks and valleys in any schedule, but how do you see this schedule for the Giants? Dan, we'll start with you. Just kind of an overall thing, but for me, the first thing I see is there's some winnable games there to, to start the season.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that, and obviously you got you know two out of the first three in the division, so it's a chance to either put yourself in good position or you're going to be you know playing catch-up a little bit. Uh, I think that October stretch is, is pretty tough. I mean, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater injury probably helps, but still going to Minnesota, that's not going to be easy. Then you go to at Green Bay, then you're home for Baltimore, and then you got to travel to London to play the Rams. So Hey, I'm just looking at that from my own perspective. That's going to be a, a murderous uh, couple of road trips in there. Well, that's tough on the beat riders. <laughs> exactly. That bye week will be coming uh, just the right time. But no, I mean, that's a tough stretch, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not an easy schedule by any stretch. But I think you know if you look at where where it is now, a lot of things like we've touched have kind of broken their way, at least just as far as you know quarterback injuries. So uh, that's always a good place to start having a, having an opponent uh, be down a quarterback, and that's happened to a few of their opponents. So. Uh, Yeah, I think a chance to get off to a good start, and I think they're going to need to because I think October, uh, you know, it could be tough. So you don't want to have to be making up ground, you know, right out of the gates.
1: Yeah, no, you don't. And the Giants have had to do that in recent years. James, when you look at the schedule, I know I think on Tuesday morning you put up your game by game picks. What stands out to you? I mean, we have the early part that seems pretty favorable. Dan mentioned October can be difficult with travel. And then I see the three straight home games coming out of the bye after you know, when you guys go to London. That, that seems like a, a pretty big win for the Giants, at least just you know, in theory. Yeah, it's a strange schedule. I think that the first seven games are big.
0: I think the Giants, they could win five of those games, they could lose five of those games. Because I don't think that New Orleans is a given in week two because we all saw Drew Brees owns the Giants. Let's just, it's pretty simple. The stats are ridiculous. He, he carved them up last year in a historic performance. I think the one saving grace for the Giants in that game is that their defense is going to be better than 52-49 last year. The Saints' defense will, as always, be pretty bad. But for me, the, the real crucial part of the Giants' schedule, is, as Dan said, that October stretch, three games on the road, uh, Green Bay on a short week, going to London, Baltimore at home. They should be better than they were a year ago. That's a tough stretch. And for me, you get to December. They got to go at the Steelers. They have to play, I believe, the. It's correct me if I'm wrong. They got the Lions the next week.
1: I'm looking at it right now. They play at the Steelers, at home for Dallas, home for the Lions.
0: Home for Dallas, home for the Lions, at Philly on a short week, mm-hmm. a Thursday. At Washington. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I wrote, when the. Eagles made the Bradford trade. you got to figure that Carson Wentz, by week 16, is going to be much improved than what he'll be this weekend. I don't see the I, – I, look, I might be wrong. You guys might disagree. Does anyone think the Giants are going to beat an Eagles team that likely has nothing to play for except pride in week 16 in Philly on a short week at night?
1: Uh, that's a tough spot, right? Unless the Eagles are just so banged up that I think that's a tough spot. I mean, you figure
0: that Wentz is probably going to—he's not going to be a rookie anymore by December 22nd, right? So I think that the schedule—it's—it's it's got a, a soft middle there, sort of say. We got the the Eagles at home, you know. The, I think the Bears are going to be better, so that's a tough game too, you know. So. I think a lot of Giants fans seem to look at the schedule and think it's very favorable. I don't see how it's favorable. I don't think there's any, you know, killer, brutal stretch necessarily except for that October run. But there's a lot of tough games on that schedule. There's a lot of, you know, tricky spots for them. So they got their work cut out for them, I think, if they're going to have a winning season.
1: Uh, they do. I mean, they always seem to here. And as we look forward to this season and, and what they will. I mean, I think the one thing that stands out to me with the schedule, James, to to bring it back to maybe Giants fans thinking it's, it's easy. I don't think it's easy, but I just, and I don't have them off, I don't have them in front of me, but I think we all know the Giants have had some brutal stretches in seasons, you know, towards the end of Tom Coughlin's era, the, last, the second half of his uh, tenure. And I, I just, I guess this doesn't look brutal. Maybe it doesn't look easy, but that might be where some of the Giants fans are coming from. I guess you get the schedule each year, and Giants fans look at it and say, well, where's the really, really brutal stretch? And I, I guess I don't see that in this schedule. But like Dan mentioned, the October stretch isn't easy. At Minnesota, at Green Bay, Baltimore, uh, the trip to London. But it all starts with Dallas. It all starts this Sunday. And you guys were talking about the division as a whole. I I think I asked this two weeks ago when we did a podcast, and, and now things have changed again, right? Because Prescott's starting in Dallas, and Carson Wentz is starting for the Philadelphia Eagles, who just completely changed their franchise again over the past three days or so. How do you stack this division up right now as we go into the season? Uh, Dan, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to James one through four. And you don't you don't have to feel compelled to stick with this. If you change your mind by Sunday, it's okay. But as we sit here right now on a Tuesday morning, how do you stack the
2: NFC East up, Dan? All right, maybe I'll work from back to front. I think you know Philly. When again, we don't know what Wentz is going to be, but I just I, I see them as the the fourth place team here with making that move. It just seems like uh, they they're looking towards the future uh you know dallas i'll go with third i mean who knows maybe dak prescott is is some next sensation but they had question marks already so i'm gonna keep them in that spot and then i think one two uh, you can't hold me anything here because i think it's going to come down to the giants and the redskins i think it's going to be close like i've said all along i think this division's won by a team that goes nine and seven you know maybe ten and six at best i don't think either one of those teams is going to run away with it uh you know they both have their flaws um so, I mean, I, I would just say those two are going to be 1-2 and battling it out. And I think maybe it, come, it comes down to Week 17 in Washington. It might be, you know, for the division. So, I, I think those two will be the battling for the win and I, the, the win of the division. And I think that, uh, you know, Dallas and Philly are, are probably cut below.
1: Judging by your tone, James, earlier when you mentioned the Redskins and how everyone's just kind of counting them out, I get a feeling you're going to, like last year, uh, put them towards the top of this thing. How, how do you stack it up?
0: Yeah, I, I'm sticking with my pick since I had, you know, for most of the offseason slash preseason, I think the Redskins are going to win the division. If you saw my record prediction on NJ.com for the Giants on Tuesday morning, I had them going 9-7. and seven. They start 9-5, and five, and then they, it all kind of falls out at the end when they lose in Philly in Week 16, lose in Washington in Week 17. I do think the Giants will beat the Redskins in Week 3, but by the time it comes back to Week 17, it'll be winner-take-all for the NFC East. That game will probably get moved to Sunday Night Football, and uh, I think the Redskins win at home and they win the division for a second straight year. Giants finished nine and seven second place. I don't think that's going to be good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. I would assume that you know, whoever doesn't win the NFC West, Seattle or Arizona, that team's going to be a wild card and, Look, I, I still think the Vikings are going to be a, a playoff team with Sam Bradford. I mean, it's the best team Bradford's ever been on. He gets to hand the ball off to Adrian Peterson 25 times a game, and he's got a great defense behind him. I think they're going to be a tough out, Green Bay, obviously, and then Carolina in the south. So I think the Giants go 9-7. and seven. They miss the playoffs, which will sting, and Giants fans don't want to hear it. But at the end of the day, if you finish 9-7, and seven, that's a three-game improvement from a year ago you haven't had a winning season in three years now you're nine and seven on the cusp of the playoffs you're finishing ahead of the cowboys I, I think they'll be like third maybe eight and eight well i could see the cowboys going four and 12 again just because if you think about it last year they didn't have great quarterback play when they lost Roma, but they were good enough to wit- be in every game they just couldn't get the job done i could see that happening again and i agree with dan i think the eagles pull up the rear but they're an exciting team by the end. It has a lot of optimism going into 2017, but I'll stick with that. Redskins one, Giants two, Cowboys three, Eagles four. Giants just missed the playoffs, but they got a lot to look forward to going forward.
1: A not-so-happy new year if your projection works out on January 1st yes. uh, if the Giants lose that game in Washington. All right, we have six over-unders here for the Giants, and players, the team itself, into the season. Um one of them, James, I think you already touched on, but that's okay. And we'll get Dan's uh, number with it as well. But we'll go through these, and I guess we'll kind of get a feel uh, as we put, you know, look forward towards week one on what you guys think and what we can think of this team. All right, so each of these, we'll start with Dan, then we'll go to James on these. So over, I'll throw an over-under at you. Tell me what you think and then, uh, and then why you think it. All right, over-under wins for the 2016 Giants. Dan, we'll start with you. We set the number at eight and a half.
2: Uh, that's a good place to set it, because if you said nine, I was going to be stuck. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over, because I think they're nine, maybe ten. Um, you know, I haven't done the game by game, but just my general feel. I think this feels like a nine or, or ten win team. I'm going to do my, my game by game for Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, I think there'll be some improvement this year. Uh, you know, they won't be in that six and ten uh, hell again for another year. Uh, so, yeah, I would say if eight and a half is the number, I'm going to go over. James, we already know yours,
1: so we'll, yep. kind of, we'll, we'll kind of move on to the next one. So you, both of you guys go over eight and a half wins. Number two, and I think this one, this one's probably going to play a big role into how many games they win and really how, how much they can improve because I think they're going to score points, even though the offensive line obviously has some concerns heading into the season. Over under 19 and a half points allowed on the defensive side of the ball per game, and the reason the number is set there is that would put them, based on last year's, totals in the top 10 of points allowed for the season. If they do that, they're going to be pretty good, I think. And the defense obviously will have shown market improvement. Dan, over under 19 and per game allowed.
2: I'll go over. I don't know if they're going to go from 32 to, to top 10 uh, overnight. I mean, obviously, there's been some big changes, some big improvements. I think they'll probably be more in that that 16 range, uh, which would still make a, you know a big difference in why I think the team's going to be better. But I'm not quite ready to put them – uh, as a top 10, the linebacking core is still you know, relatively shaky. Uh, obviously, they've made some big improvements up front and in the secondary, but not quite ready to put them in the top 10. James? I will
0: also go over, I think, number 16 in the league is a good, a good goal for this Giants team. Maybe they're a little bit higher than that. Maybe they're a little bit lower than that. But I don't see this being a top 10 defense.
1: I don't either. I mean, that would be a big jump if they do that. I mean, it means these guys really worked out. I mean, the guys they brought in, the guys they added, and the guys they have coming back, you know, meshed pretty quickly to become a big-time defense. All right, let's move from there. We'll stay with defense, and we'll go with Olivier Vernon, uh, the big ticket, you know, the biggest ticket defensive player they brought in from Miami. Now, when I look at him, I see a very good all-around defensive end. I know we got a ton of pressures last year, one of the most in the NFL, if you look at that number. Um, But he's never been yet in his career, you know, that, big time sack guy that you could just look at and say, yeah, he's gonna rack up thirteen or fourteen plus sacks in a season. Maybe that's now, but we haven't seen it seen that yet. Dan for you, Olivier Vernon over under. We'll set it at eight and a half sacks.
2: I'm gonna go uh I I'd say well over. I'm definitely gonna go over that. I mean he had seven and a half last year and I think he was really hitting his stride late last season and Everything I've seen, uh, you know, from him this preseason is that the Giants were, were pretty much right in forecasting that this is a player on the rise. I mean, he he's been uh, really a dominant presence in, in practices and even in his limited action in preseason games. He spent a lot of time in the backfield, so I actually would think that he's going to be in double digits this year. Well,
1: if that's the case, I mean, the Giants are going to be happy because they paid him, you know, to do that. James, what do you think about Vernon and what he'll do in his first year here? I am also
0: going to go over. Man, this is getting boring here. Um. Look, the the fans who like yes, Olivier Vernon got overpaid if, in terms of what he has done in the past, but the Giants weren't buying Olivier Vernon, the guy who played for the Dolphins in 2015. They were signing the guy who they think he's going to be. Everything we've seen this preseason indicates he's going to become a super not a, maybe superstar is a little bit too big a term, but he's going to be a star impact player for this defense. He's going to be a guy who revitalizes their pass rush. I think he is in line for a big, big season, something like maybe 12, 13, 14 sacks.
1: Well, if that happens, it would be the best year of his career. Seven and a half, six and a half, eleven, three and a half. 11, Those are his first four-year sack totals in the NFL, obviously uh, in you know the opposite order. because Seven and a half was the most recent. So he's never done that, and if he does it— The Giants are going to be uh, clearly very happy and this defense will be improved. All right. It got boring. You guys keep agreeing. I'm going to throw one at you that I think it's impossible to actually give uh, an answer other than a guess. But that's okay because it's a podcast and we kind of do things like that on here. Over under, Dan, we'll start with you. Games played for Victor Cruz this year who obviously enters the season healthy. And I know Giants fans are just – they're itching to watch him play again and hoping he can be – you know, close to what he was once again. So we'll set the over
2: under for Victor Cruz games played at nine and a half this season. Uh, I'm going to go over just based on what we've seen that, you know, he obviously had the setback early in camp, but, but since then, he's been pretty much full go. Uh, I was kind of surprised and impressed that he played the full slate when he was in there. Obviously it wasn't a ton of snaps in his two games, but it wasn't like they were really managing to the point where he was coming in, coming out every play and, you know, they didn't really baby him once he got into the action. So, I you mean, know, obviously, you can't you can't predict anybody how many games you're going to play because you know something could happen on the first play of the first game. But I think just based on where he is, I don't think there's going to be a recurrence. I mean, there could be something new, uh, but I'm going to ride a little optimism based on what I've seen uh, late in the preseason and go over. James, is Victor oh, man. Cruz,
1: hype? Does it end here or does it get it get larger?
0: No, I, I'm going to go with over just because I think nine like nine and a half, I mean, he could play 10 games and miss six. That's almost, he's almost missing half the season. But I, I'm i just going to go over because of the number. I mean, if if the if you told me he's going to play 13 games, I, I probably would go under and say maybe 11, 12. But I think that, you know, 10 games seems like it's a it's a pretty safe estimate as long as everything goes well.
1: Well, if that happens, right. I mean, that's a, just another piece that Giants fans could hold on to and say, all right. Another reason why the team's going to be improved from last year to this year. Let's move to the most dynamic player on the team, Odell Beckham Jr., who, you know, there was some people out there making bold predictions saying, you know, 1,800, 1,900, 2,000 yards. We'll set the number at 1,500 yards for Odell Beckham Jr., which, you know, if he plays pretty consistently, you would think, and performs the way we've seen him in the first two years, you would think he could get there. But that is a very big number, and it's going to take a full season of big numbers for him. Dan, for you, Beckham Jr., over under 1,500 yards receiving.
2: Uh, well, seeing as how I have him on my fantasy team, I'm going to have to say over. Uh, no, but in all, in all seriousness, yeah, I think he's going to go over. I mean, the, the arrow, it's amazing how good he's been the first two years, but the arrow still seems like it's pointing up. Uh, you figure he was at 1,450 last year with missing a game. Um, so I, I think he'll be. I think if he stays healthy, he'll smash that. I think he'll be more in the 1800. I think he'll be, you know, right up there with Antonio Brown and and Julio Jones and those guys in the in the yards uh, leaders. So yeah, again, the key obviously with any of these types of categories is health. But based on um, the fact that you know what his potential is, I would say definitely over.
1: It's pretty amazing that you said his arrow is still pointing up, and I agree. And I mean, you look at his numbers his first two years, James. I mean, you can make a real case he's the most prolific young receiver ever right in terms of the first two seasons anyone's ever played now the the game is different the era is different people pass more now the rules are different but just based on numbers I mean his first two years have just been incredible how do you think he does in year three over under
0: I will also go over not a lot of suspense here I mean the thing about Beckham is the man has never played a full season in the NFL I mean granted he only missed one game last year which was due to suspension it was four as a rookie but I think Dan's right you know 1,800 yards could be in his future this year if he stays healthy and the Giants get him the ball. So and I think it's gonna help the fact assuming the offense can function with the offensive line, I think it's gonna help the fact that he's gonna have Shepherd and Cruz potentially and, you know, Larry Donnell and Will Ty and and other options. Shane Vereen, other weapons out there. So I will go over fifteen hundred yards for Beckham.
1: All right, we'll end with Eli Manning, who, you know, quietly just goes about being what he's been for the Giants for a long time. He's taken to this Ben McAdoo offense. Now McAdoo is head coach. He gets Cruz back. Beckham we know about, and obviously Sterling Shepard is now part of this mix as well. But the offensive line in front of him, that's where the concern is right now with the Giants' offense. So let's set Eli Manning's touchdown passes this year at 32-and-a-half. Does he have another big year? Does he go over, Dan, or does it go a little under?
2: Uh, that, that's a probably a good place to put it. Um, I'm just riding a little optimism, I guess, this morning. I'm feeling good. You know, it's week one, they, they're oh uh, no, I'm going to say over. The game yet? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> things are looking good right now. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go over. I mean, again, another guy who, you know, obviously he's not in the same place as Beckham, but the arrow has pointed up, uh, with McAdoo, no reason to really think he's going to regress this year. I mean, I know the offensive line certainly concern. I mean, the same, he put up 35 with the same offensive line last year. So, uh, I think you know the fact that he has all these weapons back. Uh, you know, again, I'm expecting Beckham to have a huge year. Uh, Sterling Shepard, the addition of him, uh, yeah, I think 35 to you know maybe even a couple more. I think he's gonna. If anything, he's gonna go up. So I think uh, I'm gonna safely say over.
1: James, for you, I'm gonna go under and
0: say oh, 32. Oh, we, dis- we finally
1: we have a disagreement yeah. here.
0: He had 35 last year, which is a career high. I'm I just not because I think Eli's is not gonna have a good season. I think he might have. He's gonna have a, in line to have. A- Great season. It's just I figure I'm, a, I'm betting that the running game is a little bit better at some point this year, so they're able to use that a little bit more. For me, the true number for Eli Manning, the number I'm watching, is how many interceptions he throws this year. I believe his career low in, when he's playing a full 16-game season is 10. He's thrown 14 the last two years each season. This is his third year in Ben McAdoo's offense. That's what I'm looking for. I you know, I, I wrote this earlier in the summer, but I think th- the real number to watch for Manning is can he throw nine or less interceptions? Because I think if he did that, it would show he has a complete mastery of this offense in this third year.
1: It would. And if it happens, again, I'd be in like we keep pointing these these things out. If they happen, the Giants are in probably for a, a lot of success this year. All right, we'll end with this one. Uh And it's just really more for fun than anything else. But I I think it's worth throwing out there, considering what we did last year and what we went through last year, watching the team, covering the team, talking about the team, over-under on how many weeks until we question Ben McAdoo. And I don't mean long-term, like, oh, he's a bad coach, he should be fired, but just something that gets fans and us riled up. Last year, for reference, of course, it was less than one week because we came on right after week one and the whole podcast was about the clock management at the end of the first game in Dallas. So over, under, how many weeks until Ben McAdoo is under the spotlight for something, whether it be clock management or you could probably name ten other things he probably could be for. Uh, I'll set it at over, under, week one, meaning we come back next week if it's, if it's under and we do it right away. Uh, Dan, over, under, one week for
2: Ben McAdoo getting questioned. Oh come on! This is New York under. I mean, I, I don't know if you can say he's even made it to the regular season. Some of the minor decisions they made in the preseason have already gotten you know people questioning him. So yeah, I mean, there's certainly going to be something that comes up on Sunday that uh, you know will draw the questions and second guessing. I mean, obviously it'll be premature, but that's that's how we do things around here. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely. I think that might be the lock of the day. I'm going to go under. Uh, James, you with that? I'm going to say over. Oh, you in think he's
0: going to
1: walk out of Sunday with uh, everyone feeling good? Well, I mean, look, I
0: know it's a little bit earlier in the weeks. So I'll just go ahead and say it. I think the Giants are going to beat up the Cowboys on Sunday. I think they're going to win the game by at least 10 points. I, I just have this feeling that they're going to they're go down to Dows and, and they're going to win pretty handily. I think he'll get through that. I'm going to say weeks, after week six is what I think. The season is going to reach its first critical
2: mass. I, oh, I long them starting- honeymoon period. Wow.
0: Well, I, I have them starting 3-0, and and I have them losing the next three games, including at home against the Ravens. So that's why I'm circling the board as, you know, it's the first circle the wagons portion of the, the McAdoo year one will be after week six when they have lost three straight, and they're heading to London with with, with the
1: season on the line. So well, I can't wait for that podcast. That that should be a fun one. Um, and if they do play well Sunday, obviously next week will be uh, interesting and fun for a different way. As yeah. we talk about a Giants team that could be one and zero. So uh, that's that's an interesting take. All right, so maybe uh, maybe Ben gets out to a good start. We'll see. We'll start seeing it Sunday. You guys will be there in Dallas, and then we'll catch up early next week to talk about either all positive vibes or uh, a fan base that is upset again to start a season Dan always appreciate you doing this
2: yeah thanks a lot Joe
1: thank you James thank you Joe and thank you Giants fans for listening to this episode of our Giants podcast talk is cheap right here on nj.com you can find this show on SoundCloud Stitcher iTunes iHeartRadio any way you want to listen you can listen we'll be back next week to talk about what happens in Dallas